Welcome to another inspiring episode of Happy Thrive Vibes. In this episode, we are joined by the incredible Tim Maloney, whose life journey reflects the power of community involvement and mentorship in the pursuit of a meaningful life. Tim's three-decade-long career with public supermarkets and his dedication to community service have shaped his unique path, making him a beacon of passion and purpose. From envisioning his professional career as a goal in the high school yearbook to returning to Key Largo, Florida near the end of his successful career, Tim shares insights into his motivations, the challenges he faced, and the lessons he learned. We also uncover the source of Tim's passion for community involvement and mentorship and their profound impact on fulfilling his life. Tim shares inspiring stories from his leadership experiences, highlighting the meaningful moments and achievements that created a strong foundation for his purpose. Discover the strategies and principles that helped him balance a successful career with family and gain insights into his personal philosophy on maintaining momentum in a long-term career. Join us for this engaging conversation with Tim Maloney, a true embodiment of the spirit of community, mentorship, passion, and purpose. Whether you're seeking career advice, inspiration, or a fresh perspective on how to derive meaning in your own life, this episode is sure to leave you motivated and uplifted. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm excited to get started. Hi, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We are we have the hot seat here. Hot seat, coffee yeah. with Laura. Welcome to another insightful episode of our Happy Thrive Vibes podcast dedicated to exploring the themes of passion, happiness, purpose, and the art of overcoming obstacles in life. I'm reading my introduction today um, because it's so good and because I have this extraordinary guest next to me, so I know I'm going to be off track, so I typed it all out so that I could be professional. Today, we are truly honored to have a remarkable guest with us, someone whose journey exemplifies the power of community involvement and the pursuit of a meaningful life. Our guest proudly serves as a board member for the Key Largo Wastewater Treatment District, but that's just one chapter of his life. With a background deeply rooted in customer service and the business industry, he embarked on a journey that eventually led him back to the place that he calls home, which is Key Largo, Florida. His career spans over three decades with public supermarkets, and he provides valuable insights and experiences that have played a crucial role in shaping his unique path. I don't even know anybody else who's had three decades besides public employees in their career. So that in and of itself is the longevity of the career at the same place is pretty, pretty inspiring. Um, not content with his successful career alone, he has worked in community service. He has worked in mentoring others. He has an impressive resume that boasts involvement in various boards in our previous county that we lived in and our current county. And he brings to the table a wealth of experience, dedication, and unwavering commitment to making the world a better place. Please help me welcome Timothy Maloney. Yes, he is also my amazing husband and my best friend. And in this episode, we will explore his journey, the pivotal moments that led him to his current role as a retired, what would you say your current role is? No. Retired. Serving you. <laughs> retired sir, uh, Starbucks getter, fisherman, uh, dinner provider, um, a fresh fish. But he will 
just share with us his pursuit of happiness, purpose, and overcoming life's challenges. Um, join us as we dive into this conversation with this extraordinary individual who embodies the spirit of community, passion, and purpose. I did not read him my intro in advance, and I did not read him these questions in advance because I like to keep it real. Well, with that intro, I got a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I do have 13 YouTube followers, so you do have a lot to live up to. I think I have 15 followers on Spotify. I don't want to intimidate you or anything, but you know, I'm an influencer at 50. Um, so let's just start, let's start with easy question first. How did you get so lucky to be married? To, no, I'm just kidding. Is it true that your high school yearbook, you wrote <laughs> that your goal was to become a Publix store manager yes. and were you working for Publix at the time? No, I was not working for Publix at the time. Um, and yes, it's true. I wrote in, you know, you know how they do that things where you see yourself or what is your goal and you get to write them down. Well, they copied them all and put them all in our, in our senior yearbook. And mine was to be a public store manager. And, and the story behind that is, is that, um, my brother is older than I am. I, I, if he's listening, much older than me. Okay. Uh, but my brothers are older than me. I was a oops baby, I guess, late in life with my parents. But um, he had been working for Publix. He went to college and started with Publix and just made a whole career of it. He, he left with almost 40 years with Publix. He left with 38 or 39 years, or I think 39 years with Publix. So um, he was always kind of a role model for me and watching him as a teenager um, he, um, you know, I always worked at a little grocery store here in the Keys. So I knew that was a little bit of a passion that I liked. Um, I knew I did not want to stay in the Keys when I, when I graduated high school. So I wanted to seek a, another career. And the reason why I wanted to leave the Keys, that's a whole nother podcast. Maybe we'll get into some other day, but, um, well, people, like, people like to exit the scene when they graduate and you know yeah. the grass is always greener you know you just you, until it's not wherever you grow up you say i want to get out of here i'm out of here you know as soon as i graduate i'm out of here i'm either going to college but college wasn't an option so i didn't want to go to college so my brother was already working for Publix, and he had just made store manager so he showed me one of his bonus checks one time <laughs> and i'm like okay i gotta have this job so um it's hard work and the money's good and the career is good, but you do dedicate your life to a company when you, when you work for public supermarkets. So um, that's where I got the idea. I knew I liked the grocery business. Um, I like to eat. So I figure I'd be around food, but um, we joke that we're professional eaters. We're perfect. That when we go to a restaurant, we're professional eaters. So. Um, but that's how I wrote in my, yearbook that I wanted to be a public store manager because my brother was a role model for me uh, even going through my career um, we kind of like went up the corporate ladder together he was always a couple a few steps ahead of me but uh, of course he started a lot earlier than I did and uh, it, we kind of followed each other I kind of followed his path so um, if you're listening Dan thanks thanks and Publix was a family affair. Your mom worked for Publix yeah, back in the day. When, when, uh, the, the strange thing is there wasn't even a Publix in the Keys when I just, when I graduated. <laughs> I just knew that's where I wanted to work. So um, were there times? Um, well, we'll get into that later, but no, that's, that's the reason. That's the reason why I started with Publix. But 
Um, I started as a, um, a front service clerk, a bag boy at the time they called it at that time. Um, and I worked my way up. Um, the next position was a stock clerk. And uh, that's where I made full time with Publix and um, really kicked off my career. And I, I knew I wanted management when I started. I just, I knew it. Um, I don't know why, but I knew that's something that I wanted to do. So uh, were there times, and then and then from there, I got into lower management, you know, where you, you train, manager trainee, they called it at the time. And then you work your way up. Um, You're back in management trainee for, for guiding my Starbucks and yeah, running all my errands. I know how to do that. So I'm but, glad you know how to do that well. And then it just progressed. And then, uh, you know, you make assistant store manager, you make store manager. And that, that took me all over. Uh, four counties, I guess you could mm -hmm. say, as a store manager. And then, you know, there was, uh, were there troubles along the way? Oh, yeah. Was there times I wanted to leave? Uh, yeah. Well, there was many times that I wanted to leave. What did I do? Out of frustration? Um, yeah. Just, just, am I doing the right thing? You know? And then, um, then when you make store manager or assistant store manager, then, then you have people that kind of look up to you that, that, uh, want to just like I had mentors in my life mm -hmm. little did I know it I became a mentor so that's where um, that's what made me stay at Publix as long as I did um, were, <laughs> were the times I wanted to walk yeah I wanted to but it's um, and, and then you do this training employees is one of one of the best things that I I, I miss the most you know, even, even my neighbors, you know, when I retired young, um, because of this lady right here, she was a big inspiration in that, but uh, we'll I'm get a fan into, of doing more of what you love. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. So, um, even my neighbor said, you know, what, why are you retiring so young? It's I, come to find out Laura brought it to my attention. They're jealous. They're not <laughs> they're not uh, asking the question. They're asking questions because they're. They're jealous. asking. They're really asking. How did you retire? Not why did you retire? How can I retire and go fishing every day and live my best life? That's what they're asking. So my comeback to them was. I can't say anything. I'm jealous too. I want to. Not that I want to go fishing every single day, but I could sit in the hammock and read my book every day, and I'd be quite happy with life. My my thing back to them was well, what were you doing when you were 18 years old? What were you doing when you're 19? Oh, I was in college. I was partying. Okay, no, I, I, I stayed with the same company. That's our dog barking. Yeah, I stayed with too. the same. She, she same, wants to retire too. She's jealous. <laughs> I stayed with the same company for, um, you know, I stayed with them. I didn't switch jobs. So when I started, when I was basically 17 and a half, 18 years old. I stayed. I didn't change. I just kept going and going and, and stayed with the same company. But, you know, Publix has a great, a great thing. I mean, you know, uh, Mr. George, our founder, started something that basically you make X amount of dollars. I put a share of stock in your retirement for you. Um, and that just grows. So the longer you say so when people get 20 years with Publix, they're starting to cha-ching a little bit in their retirement. So um and then how I led to retirement was um, this lady right here. Uh, and, and to me, this is the way she started Happy Thrive Eyes. Um, <laughs> I was a um, store manager late 
store manager, about to be a district manager. I was training for that. And um, she goes, what do you want to do when you retire? You know, we, we were already married and everything. She goes, what do you want to do when you retire? And I said, well, I want to like have a place in the Keys. And because I knew you would never have a second job. Like I knew it was either 100% Publix or 100% retirement. So I said, um, that's what I would like to do, but I can't afford that. I can't afford a place in the Keys. And she says to me, well, if you keep saying that, you're not going to be able to. And I said, well, <laughs> and uh, I kept saying it. And guess what? Never bought a place in the Keys. <laughs> that was at the truth. time. That was know? the truth. But uh, because I couldn't afford it. And uh, in reality, I could, but in my mind, I couldn't. So she says, okay, I'm going to help you get there. And I said, well, how are you going to help me get there? She goes, first of all, you got to stop saying you're never going to be able to afford it. So, and then the way she manifests things is incredible. I mean, um, she always says, what, what do you always say? Um, you shoot my unicorn and you drown my rainbows. I mean, whatever, you know, um, because she's the happy go lucky and looks at the bright side. I'm the half, not full on the glass. She's the half full, you know? So um, she looks at, but we make a good team though. Mm -hmm. I, I think well, he keeps what, me grounded because yeah. sometimes I am totally out there and he keeps me grounded so anyways she says uh he's like the brick to my balloons now keep in mind i wanted to move to key largo okay and she says okay i'm gonna help you so i come home from work one day and she has this board with all these it's called a vision board and she's got pictures of in, the key largo all over. in the bathroom in the bathroom from okay. on our florida ceiling yeah. closet doors that were mirrored he thought I lost it completely. And, uh, it was pictures of Key Largo. It was the key. So retire early. Retire early. And every morning I brushed my teeth, it was actually in the bathroom behind me on the mirror. Oh, every morning I brushed my teeth, I looked at that vision. So so <laughs> the next thing she does, I want a dog. I said, You don't want a dog. Okay. You, you don't you don't want a dog. And I fought her and fought her. So we she looked for about a year for a dog. Guess who got the okay. dog? So she says, okay, we're going to go get the dog. It's at the pound up in Vero Beach. We're going to go get it. And, uh, and he said, I thought I was just look meeting it. I was like, you are. Dog. You're meeting this it, is but the we're dog. bringing it home. So we go and we get the dog. Guess what she names the dog? Largo. <laughs> I said, why do you name the dog Largo? She goes, well, if you keep saying Largo over and over and over, you're going to move to Key Largo. Guess where we live? <laughs> Key Largo. So, you know. It's amazing how um, how she can do this. But it's a shift in the perspective. But it is. So not only it's not a magic trick. Not only um, we used to come down here on like Sundays. We mm -hmm. drive all the way down from Port St. Lucie. We look around, look for houses. We go to lunch. We go to church at a Island Community Church down here, where he went to school, and where I went to school. And then we would travel back and have lunch on the way home. But on the way home, we drive down certain neighborhoods. And, eh, maybe someday we'll live here. And she goes, no, we're going to live here. I said, no, I don't know. We can't afford it. So I don't know. One, one Sunday we were down here. Um, this is really weird. <laughs> I said, let's go in this uh, trailer park right here and see if there's any trailers. And there was an open house. So ugh, it was so run down. It was so nasty. <laughs> but we met this realtor there. And uh, I don't know what happened. She goes, okay. She took our number and 
I don't know, a year, what a year go by. Mm -hmm. A year at least. And she year. called us. No, no. We, we came down here and we were interested in something that we saw. And so we sent a text message to the number on the sign and I get a phone call and it's this woman and she's like, Hey, I have your no name and number programmed into my phone, but I'm sorry. Why, I don't know. Why does you your are. name come on my phone? Yeah. So it was the same realtor that we talked to a year and a half she prior. Apparently to programmed our, our number and my name into her phone. So, so she thought we were, she didn't realize who we were. It's this little cracker house, keys cracker house that we, we bought from her and got an amazing deal on it and just how it fell into place was remarkable so okay we bought the retirement home okay so <laughs> i'm dragging this out i'm sorry so we bought we bought the, we bought the, my questions but i won't hold it we bought you. our retirement home and uh we rented it out and we had a spectacular couple mm -hmm. that rented for a couple years and Little did you know it, I get a phone call from my boss, from my vice president, and says, Tim, how would you like to be the district manager in Keys? And I had always told him, listen, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So, so if they ask you, don't say I need to check with my wife. You just tell them yes, well, figure it out. Of course, I told him, I said, I have, I have to get back with you. And Laura says, you idiot. Why would you say? <laughs> I didn't say you're you an say idiot. That? So anyways, uh, I took the job. I was already, I've had made district manager up in Palm Beach, but you know, it just, and here it is, even before, now remember, our goal was to move to the Keys when we, re, when I retire, okay, and uh, <laughs> it happened before that, so what I do, five, six years? We closed on the house on my birthday, mm -hmm. and we were living in the Keys with him transferred by June, so within one year um, we rented a place for a little while until the lease was up with our renters and we moved into our, this little house well that has manifested into buying and selling houses and fixing mm -hmm. them up and uh since i retired um we bought a couple fixed them up and now we sold that one and we live on a canal with my boat in the backyard and live our in dream, dream house so that's how we got part of my career but one thing i want to say laura has always done well on helping people manifest their dreams and their their things but laura struggled with doing it for herself believe it or not you know and uh i still do this this podcast that she's doing and this what we're doing right here has been a vision of hers for years but she is so out of her comfort zone doing this. She's doing very well, but this is not what she does well. She does it good. Now, if, if I told her that I wanted to have a podcast or a YouTube channel, which I'm working kind of working on over the years, she's on it, man. She'll make it happen for you. But she struggles with doing it for herself. And this is what she's doing. This is what she loves to do. Laura came from a, a rough background. And to have what she has today with the education she has, who would have thought that you spent detention? Oh, stop. We this, don't need to get into this golf girl part. spent detention in high school. Most of her time is a doctor has two masters or doctorate in education. As a matter of fact, she ran into a lady that was one of her teachers and she says, wait a minute, you have your doctorates. How can that be? You know? So, um, 
if you would have ever told me that I would actually pay to go to school when I graduated, I would laugh, laugh, laugh. And yet here I am. Well, that's one thing she did manifest herself. And uh, it was her doctor. I mean, I'm, that was on her vision board. I mean, the vision board I knew when I met her had an Airstream travel trailer and a Frenchie, black Frenchie bulldog. And a do- it says Dr. Maloney. So here's a lady <laughs> that's accomplished all three. It took me 20 years. And I have 147 downloads on Spotify and Apple. <laughs> so I'm getting there. Slow, incremental progress. She's now an influencer. I mean, I am not a YouTube sensation yet, but you know, everyone has to start somewhere. But he's talking me up really, really well so that I can get more um, fans. But he jumped ahead like 10 questions. So I'm going to reel this back in. Sorry. And I'm just kidding. You already answered half of my questions. <laughs> okay. I want to know if you can recall a particularly inspiring story from your time as an experienced leader that illustrates the impact that you had on mentoring other people. Well, I know you feel old when people say, listen, you hired me as a bag boy and now I'm a DM, but people do still reach out to him and thank him, which is pretty incredible. Um, and if you want me to come back to any question, I can. I can't do this without tearing up. So um, one was early in, in my career. Well, not early, but in the middle of my career. And uh, one just happened last week. So <laughs> the, the thing I remember the most was we, when we met, we went through two hurricanes back to back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, this is uh, in Kim's Like Magic yeah, we, book that's we, coming out soon. We, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about when we met. But no, but the hurricanes. The we, hurricanes. we were dating and then we, and, I mean, I figured I, if you can make it through two hurricanes with someone and you still love them afterwards, you've got to either make a commitment to them or cut it off. So. Well, I had, I, I'm, of course, everybody knows that, you know, I'm divorced and remarried, of course, to Laura. And, uh, um, but, you know, I was going, you know, I was already through my divorce and dating her. And uh, that's another story we'll get into. I remember at the end of the hurricane, uh, my, the, I went, I stayed with her because she lived right behind the store where I was working. And I walked up to the store. And there was no lie. There was 17 people <laughs> waiting. And there was no power. There was the store was, was demolished. Flooded. It was raining it was, inside. It was raining inside. But there was 17 employees <laughs> waiting at that front door for me. It hadn't even stopped raining yet. Yeah. And they were <laughs> just the following that I had. They counted on you to they came there to help you. And then you turned around after they helped you. And you said, okay, now we take each person and we're going to take groups and we're going to go and everybody's going to help everybody in that group at their house, get everything situated. Yeah. And you still have people two who reach out to you. Two of the employees, they, they, their house was gone. They didn't have any place to stay. So, you know, I, I worked out something from them. We went, we all went to their house and fixed up their house and got it to where they could stay in. Um, and then, uh, but it's amazing. These people lost their house yeah. and they're there waiting for me 
So and and you served the community when they did that too. Right. You couldn't you open know. the store, so you served the community. We, uh, of course, all this you know, all the refrigerated stuff was going bad and not going bad, but will go bad because there wasn't going to be any power for a while. So um, I gathered my thoughts. I said, everybody, let's meet back here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Uh, I did an assessment of how bad the store was damaged. And then we started working. We started cleaning. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, a day later, we had the store open. But during that time, I, I went and got one of those big trailer cookers. And I started cooking all the meat, all the seafood, everything. Oh, you'd be so in trouble if you did that. Side. Guess what? We were the now. first ones to get our power back on. Because guess I who wish I said? <laughs> I would have been on that power grid area for my condo, but it wasn't. But, uh, you know, helping the community was a big part of my career. Served on different boards. Uh, and that, that would be, to get back to the question, that would be, that's when I realized, okay, I, people look at me. People look mm -hmm. at me for leadership. They looked at me like, what are we going to do? And I turned it around and said, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to help you. Okay. And, uh, you know, and somebody once said to me, one of my, you know, what one of my proteges, I guess, that he uses me as a mentor, said to me, "How do you, how do you get a following like you did?" This is after I retired. He goes, "How do you get people to follow you? How do you, how do you get people to be so dedicated to you? I mean, people would jump off a cliff for you if you asked them. They, they, they would do anything for you." I said, "Well, be there when they need you." Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Laura and I went went to many funerals. Many of. Them. Many, and really bad parts of, of town families um, mm -hmm. you know and uh that's what you do that's what you do i mean there was always food there for the family um you, you take care of the employees no matter what you do they're they're your your biggest expense is your cost of goods your second biggest expense is your payroll if you don't you, you know you always worry about people taking your um product but do you worry about people taking your employees? Do you worry about how you treat your employees? Do you worry about, you know, that I was firm. They'll tell you that, you know, <laughs> you better toe the mark or you're not going to be part of that family. So um, that, I always say that's what it was. Cheating like a family was the, was the biggest thing. So um, how would you mentor um, people who wanted to go not just you know men and women alike but they wanted to go into management and they had families and you that was probably your biggest challenge was family while you were in management because you and tammy were both in management and and it was hard balancing that so how would you mentor people who had young families with the num with the level of commitment they would have to have to their job well, I apologize to my son all the time. My kids, I, I apologize to him all the time that I'm sorry I wasn't there when I needed to be there. You know, I wish I could have spent, I did spend time with my kids, but I wish I could have spent more time. But I was also doing, making a living. I mean, you know, they had nice things. They had cars. They had uh, a horse. They had this. They had that. They had, they had things that other kids didn't have. And they had things that I didn't have when I was growing up, but at the same time, they knew, they knew where it came from. And when the phone rang, I had to go and they knew that, but you know, what could things they be good? But advice is that, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll take this. I had a girl come to me one time and say, Miss Malone, I need your advice. This is an employee. 
And uh, she says, look, I got, they want me for this position. Um, she was working her way up into store manager, but she was offered a position as a, we call them a Riz, uh, uh, you know, like a, a trainer that goes around and trains all the stores. And that's a Monday through Friday job most of the time. And uh, she says, um, but, you know, I'm about to be an assistant store manager. What do I do? Do I take this job? I said, well, first of all, you have to ask yourself a question. Okay. And this goes back to the question that you asked me. What advice would I give them? And what I told her, I said, you have to decide. Do you want the money? Or do you want the uh, do you want the money and the responsibility of being a store manager or, or a district manager, or do you want Monday through Friday and your Saturday and Sundays off with your kids or whatever? Well, she goes, I didn't think of it that way. And I said, Well, retail is where the money is. Okay. But you know, if you want, you can always go back to that it's later nice in that life. There were options. But you know, that and she chose the training position which i was very proud of and she's doing very well and she's moved up that corporate ladder um but you know that that kind of thing she you have to ask yourself when you get to a position that you know do what do i do you know you have to you have to first of all you have to want it and second of all if if you have to suffer the consequences for for doing that but you know so you, you help you them you help them understand that it was what they wanted for the ultimate goal, but that you were realistic with, you have to take the good with the bad. You right. have to take what's going to work for you and what may not work for you. And you have to make that decision for long-term. And I would say in the position, sometimes you have to tell people what they don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's why I think people will come to you because you, right. I, I, you, you do tell the truth. I apologize first because that's what I do. I say, I'm sorry for everything I say, but or everything I do. <laughs> But uh, I say, look, I'm sorry. I'm it's very gonna, careful with the things I ask him. It's going to sting if I, when I tell you, you know, but it, it's be honest, you know, and, and I, I would probably say in my whole 32 years, 33 mm -hmm. years, I worked for public. I was always honest, you know, I, I, you know, um, so. next question. The next question is, this is a deep one, y'all. If you could change the trajectory of your life from when you were a young adult, what career would you have? Oh, the same one. Same one? Yeah, let me tell you. Because you were on the path to a different field well, completely. I was here. here here's where I, where I feel I made the, the proper decision in my life by getting out of here. Okay. It, okay. <laughs> I was a district manager and I was in my company car driving across the seven mile bridge. Okay. Those of you who don't know where that is. It's down here in the keys. It's South of marathon. And I'm driving across this long bridge and I look down and there is a lobster boat going underneath the, uh, the bridge. And I look and there's two lobstermen sitting on the back of the boat. And I said to myself, Nothing, there's nothing, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. It's hard it's work though. hard, hard, hard work. And I respect every commercial fisherman that's out there because I did it. I did it growing up. How many and, traps did y'all have? Uh, it's about 600. And, uh, and I did it with my dad growing up. And I knew 
growing up, this is not what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> okay. And that was my coming to Jesus. I guess you could say I made, I made the right decision at that time to do what I did. Did I, did I make some bad decisions in my life, in my career and in my home life? Yes, I did. Uh, they call them bumps in the road. Okay. I don't know if they were bad. They would be bad though, I, because I, you got to make you got to get well, to where you are. Let me get to where I'm going with this. So sometimes in life, you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Okay. <laughs> Later in life, you realize those are the best things that ever happened to you. So, sorry, <laughs> it's it's tough because you know I remember saying oh, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, and guess what? I mean, I remember going through a divorce and saying, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But look. I know. <laughs> like what I, I was married now, to an influencer uh, 20 years later. I bet he never saw that one. <laughs> not to say there was <laughs> on the any, horizon. Not to say there was anything wrong, but it, it's just that um, people I remember. I remember ways. that song that came out. Um, thank God, thank thank God, God for, for unanswered prayers. prayers. That's my theme song. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when that song, I was every time I listen to that song, I think, oh my gosh, so many, so many. No, but I was talking about law enforcement well, because there, yeah. you for your how long did you through high school, right? Right. Um, that was what made you want to do that. But was that was because, that was one thing about staying in the keys. But what had and what had? Well, I was trained put, to be a Florida Highway Patrol. What had inspired you for that? Right. I was I uh, was training to be a Florida Highway Patrolman, and uh, I had friends in the thing that I rode with, mm -hmm. and I was uh, I was a uh, auxiliary with them and uh, observer, and they taught me a lot. And uh, I just remember cut to the chase. Um, one of the troopers, one of my friends, was shot and killed, and uh, and it was happened to be the one that you weren't with him. And I I always dropped off the reports to him, and. Uh, he would take the reports to Miami because there was really no FHP station down here. So we would drop off the reports and he said he was part of my mentor being going to the Academy and signing up for the Academy and things like that. And on the way home, he pulled over a driver and they shot, killed him for a 10 cent toll for a 10 cent toll. Trooper got shot for 10 cents. So that scared me. I was 18 mm -hmm. years old. I'm and sure I, I said, I'm out of here. I'm done. This isn't what I want to do. I started as a bag boy with Publix and that's, you know, I already told that story, but, you know, was there, you know, well, hopefully you'll interview me again someday and we'll get into some other things, but. I mean, um, I, you have connections. I might yeah. interview you. Again. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Let me, uh, what's, uh, I, I told you I was a store manager in Fort Pierce and that's where I met Laura. I don't know. Did you ever share the story how we met? All the fights that we got in when mm -hmm. we first met each other. I so I was. A, should I tell the story? Can we go ahead or what? Sure. So you can, you can tell you can tell your version of the story. Sure. Yeah, mine's a little bit more dramatic, maybe I guess, but I'll try to tell it step by step. I was the store manager at Fort Pierce, and she, um, I was dating around, and she came in the store, and I said, "Huh." He was flabbergasted by my beauty. So uh, she says, hey, do you have this certain kind of candy? And I said, uh, no, I don't I don't have that. Uh, they really don't make that. And she goes, well, I bought it at Albertsons. So that really ticked me off. So, <laughs> so anyways, I went around. And she goes, well, I give it to my students when they get their questions correct. 
I'm like, oh, she's a teacher. This is foreshadowing, y'all. Okay. And uh, so I went around. I said, well, what was in the bag? And I gave her each a bag. I put it in the bag and sealed it up. And I gave it to her. I said, here, this is free. This is for your students. A donation for your class. She said, okay, thank you. And off she went. So first of all, I told her she was wrong. They didn't carry the candy. Which that kind of set her home. So anyways. Don't tell your wife she's wrong, y'all. And then. Um, I mean. Before you know her. So, anyways, I said, I got to find out who this girl is. I got to ask her out. So, uh, <laughs> I saw what she was driving. I, Sounds stalker. I, found, say it out I went to different schools looking for her car to see where she taught at. That didn't work. I couldn't find her. So, I gave up. So, I'm standing on the by the front doors of my store, and there's a guy standing next to me that works for me. And, Guess who walks in the door? Laura walks in the door. And the guy next to me goes, hey, Laura. And I'm like, you know her? She goes, yeah, she works with my wife at the bank. I said, she lied to me. She <gasps> told me she had She students. stole the candy. Yeah. So I went over to her and I said, hey, you said you were a teacher. She goes, I never said I was a teacher. I said, well, you gave candy to the students. And she says, no, no, I'm in banking. And I go to the high school to teach kids how to balance their checkbook. And when they get the balance their checkbook correctly, I give them a piece of candy. And the first thing in my mind, I thought, that's a superwoman to go there and teach the kids. But it didn't come out of my mouth. Something else came Something out. Something else mouth. came out. I'm sure like, it was you very, lied to me. very arrogant. Anyways. Like you lied so, and you stole. So anyways, uh, she came in the store a few more times. And finally, I asked her out. And she said, oh, uh. Uh, no right in front of the cashier she said no and the cashier says oh mr Malone. oh she stopped bringing my groceries she was very defensive of uh, her store mr. manager Malone, that girl burnt you uh, she said no i was so embarrassed so anyways and then uh then we then we became really, really, good, really friends good friends for the next five years four or five years yeah four or five years we became very good friends she was dating someone i was dating someone and you know, we, we talk on the phone and we tell stories to the point where my phone would ring and my girlfriend, whoever I was seeing at the time, would say, oh, it's that Laura girl, you know. But we were very good friends. Mm -hmm. We never went out, never really did anything. Just, But we would see each other. The person that I was seeing would not like going to benefits or dress up or do anything like that. And the person she was seeing didn't want to go with her either. So every silent auction or every board, uh, meetings, board and, meeting, because we were on the United Way board together, yeah, we um, served the communities together. Yeah, because she was the manager of the bank and I was the manager of public. So we did things in our community. And we got to be very good friends, mm -hmm. really good friends, really close friends. Just friends, I swear, just friends. I mean, we probably know dirt on each other that most oh, people yeah. don't know. I told her things that I wouldn't even tell another guy. <laughs> so anyways, um, she. Uh, so her boss came in the store one day and I said, uh, she goes, uh, Hey, Laura gave her notice. She's quitting. She's leaving and moving to New Jersey with that guy. Sorry, guy, if you're listening, I win. So, so I said, that can't happen. She goes, you're right, it can't. I said, she already quit? She goes, yeah. So I call her and I said, hey, we need to have lunch. So I, I didn't hear from her for a week, so I knew something was up. So uh, we went to lunch and uh, I don't know, I, I'll put it in my terms how it happened. And she said, uh, I said, look, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. You don't love this guy. You shouldn't go. 
Yeah. She goes, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, kind of in words. I said, well, you're supposed to be with me. Okay. She goes, well, you arrogant ass. <laughs> That's what it was. Took me back to the store and dropped me off. So months went by, you know. So her boss came in the store and was shopping. I said, hey, have you heard from Laura? How's she doing in New Jersey? And her eyes got really big. And she says, you haven't talked to her? Now, mind you, I lived in the town where his Publix was, but I worked in the town over. So I had just gone grocery shopping in the county in which I worked so that I could avoid him at all costs. So the boss says, you haven't talked to her? I said, no. She goes, she never left. She came back like two days later, asked for a job back. And of course I knew she would. And she never left with the guy. So I called her and it was months later, mm -hmm. months, months later. And I said, what is going on? You're here? She goes, yeah, I didn't go. And uh, so basically, I don't know, we talked some more. And so she calls me one day. She goes, how about that dinner you always wanted to go out? We just happened to be single at the same time. And I wasn't seeing anybody. She wasn't seeing anybody. And she goes, how about that dinner you always wanted to go? Then the hurricanes hit the next week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we moved in together. Here we are. We're celebrating. Almost 20 years later. And yeah, May of 2024 is our 19th wedding anniversary and our 20th anniversary of being together. And we both thought we'd never find it. But, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, being single at the age I was at, the age she was at. I mean, you know, she's a lot. I mean, I'm a lot younger than he is. So, I mean, uh, I just, I knew I, that possibilities were endless. But I, I you know, you never, and, and we'll tell, I'll tell, I'll finish. But I really did. I started dating him because he would always say he had no intention of getting married again. And I oh, had no, no intention had of no getting intentions. married. And so I just didn't I, want, I just didn't want, at that point in my life, I didn't want luggage. And, uh, you know, uh, people with problems, uh, you know, you, you just wish that, oh, I just wish I could find somebody that doesn't do this or doesn't do that. But that goes into another thing is, mm -hmm. is you keep wishing for people that don't do the things instead of wishing for the people that do do the things that you mm -hmm. want. And uh, she's taught me that, you know, yep. always wish for the things that you want, not for the things you don't want. So um, everything has a vibration you put in that you, but, you throw out there all the things you don't want you're saying all the universe yours is I want and so we bring it to you we moved in together and we bought a mm -hmm. house together and I'm like so you all know when you buy a house you have to have a loan okay so we got a loan in both our names mm -hmm. and I'm like oh here it comes that credit check all her baggage it's all that's where it all comes comes out you know? so a friend of mine did the mortgage and uh Thanks, Jennifer, for your listening. And uh, so she says, okay. So she calls me. And she goes, okay, there's a problem with the credit. And I'm like, oh, I knew it. I knew she had. I he knew always she gives had. me the benefit of the doubt. She goes, nope, it's you. <laughs> it was an unpaid doctor bill for one of the kids. But uh, it was just funny. She had perfect credit. I'm the one that had the problem. I've been trying to convince him for 20 years I'm perfect. So, but, uh, you know, it, it, for the people out there that, think that you know it's doom and gloom it, there's light at the end of the tunnel there's there's people out there just like you and it is come, come to find out i had my share of problems she had her share of problems but you know it, you have to you have to overlook it god knows she overlooked my issues i mean you know uh we went through a lot when we were dating and 
getting married and you know but uh it uh but it that all, honesty is what out. honestly that is what was a strong foundation for our relationship was our friendship that we had at, <laughs> yeah I think I mean, ultimately I, I, in the end when we gotta be friends when she when I say I married my best friend I'm not lying I <laughs> We were we were really good friends before we even started dating. I mean, yeah. and uh, you know, and, and that's that's important. I mean, you know, in the past when you get married you, or you date someone, or you know, it's it's very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, very uh, surface. Surface, okay, and that overcomes you sometimes. And you know, I was past the surface thing. I mean, but still, look at the surface I had. I mean, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. I scored big time. So, but uh, she, um, she's, we, she's helped me through a lot, and, you know, through retirement. And those of you that want to retire young, that's a whole nother podcast whole nother because podcast. y'all, he's been retired for eight years and he still struggles with the fact that he has many, freedom every day. How many part time jobs I had? Since it's mind blowing because he just needs to just relax. You know, you, you think retirement's great. You know, why did I retire? Let's end it with the career thing that you you asked me about why did i end my career early in early age not in tenure because i had 33 years but why did i retire in my 50s instead of my 60s well i'll answer okay um (laughs) number one because i could because of laura here she had the positive feeling about it but well and i also uh, planned for us financially like you can't just quit you do have to have a plan we had plans i and anybody who knows me knows i have plans for plans so i have plan a b c d e f g uh, and, and we'll kind of end it with this i know we're getting over on time here but uh why why did i do it number one because i could number two my my boss also retired young and uh he said to me one i like day, this analogy he said to me one day, he says, Tim, how long do you think you're going to live? So let's say 80 years old. Okay. Let's just throw a number out there. I hope I live past 80. But oh my gosh. I'll be so happy to live 80. Okay. Let's say 80 years old. And I retired when I was 54. 52. Almost 53. It was almost, let's, let's round it off to 53. So 52. the difference between 53 and 80 is what? Help me. Help mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You didn't write that down 23? as an interview question. So I'm sorry. I'm not able to answer okay. that at this moment. Well, the thing that he stressed to me is, okay, hopefully when I'm 75, I'm still in good shape, mm-hmm. but uh, the way it's going, it looks like 70, oh, stop. <laughs> but I'm just saying that how many good years do you have left? I mean, everybody knows I love the fish and I love to go out in my boat. How many good years, how many years can you hop on and off that boat? What, what age? Yes. If you live till 80, how, what but what age can you hop on and off a boat or go out in a boat by yourself and still enjoy or it real efficient and enjoy it okay mm-hmm. so i said yeah yeah whatever and that's why he did it okay i, I his parents didn't live to be very old so so it's not the age that you it's you not know, the amount like, of years you have left how many good years of- do you have left quality years to be able to enjoy the things that you want to do i said man there's fish to be caught there's things i want to do there's places i want to go and then i i i didn't say that until something happened to me i had a fellow district manager um lived his whole life with Publix, mm-hmm. 40 some odd years with Publix, had a record for the most time and uh great guy did a great service to Publix. 
um, said to me, he says, oh, I'm feeling tired. I think I'm going to go home. Friday afternoon, he went home, sat in his recliner, and he died. Okay. <laughs> he never had a chance to go do anything or enjoy anything or, you know, I'm just using him as an example. I'm sure there was many more. Okay. But that one hit me. And I said, I'm retiring young. I'm going to do what my friend says. And thanks, Jeff, for the, <laughs> for well, the inspiration. And, but, and just before you retired, uh, you had already lost your parents. Yeah. I had lost my parents. Mm -hmm. And when my mom passed away, she said, don't, because I'm a workaholic. Anybody who knows me knows that. Tim was a workaholic. He still has workaholic mentality, but he's retired. And that is a whole nother ballgame. And those of you that are retiring, remember, you go seven days a week, 70 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, seven days a week, phone call rings all the time, blah, 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 to zero, to zero. <laughs> so anyways, he's, he's segueing into the next episode that I'm sure we'll have together where he has struggled in retirement to just enjoy himself and let go. But the analogy is how many good years do you have left? And I have found because I work from home and that I, I know that's a blessing and a curse because I love to work. It's my hobby and it's my livelihood. So I don't have very good, you know, very clear work-life boundaries. Um, but I am able to, I do have the flexibility enough that I am able to work and go enjoy my life and go do the things that I love. So I think that it's important for people to recognize the quality of their life and the good years that they have to be able to do the things. Because if you keep saying someday, 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 will you ever get to someday? I don't know. And I always said I was going to end it like this. Um, ask yourself, <laughs> ask yourself this, what are they going to say about you at your funeral? What have you done to inspire other people? What have you done to be a mentor? What have you done? Um, what have you done in your life to help others? And I'm not saying to go to a, a, a food bank and serve food on Thanksgiving. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what have you done to help people? I mean, and, and I had I had the opportunity as, as my career to help a lot of people and touch a lot of people. And I'm proud of that. But, so I'll end it that. What what do you, what do you what do you do to um, inspire other people or mentor other people? Because there's a lot of people out there that need that need that that need someone to talk to and ask for advice. So some of them just need someone to listen. Well, thank you, dear. Thanks for having me. All right. Happy Thrive Vibes at gmail.com if you have any questions. And what do they always say at the end of the YouTube videos? Uh, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. All right. Let's see if I can get more than 15 subscribers. No, I think I have 12 subscribers. We'll see. All right. Thanks, everybody. Keep thriving. And there you have it, Thrive Tribe. We hope this episode sparked inspiration so you can shift from surviving to thriving by doing more of what you love. Remember, the journey to manifesting your best life starts with embracing what you love and letting those happy vibes lead the way. If you're ready to continue this uplifting journey, hit that subscribe button and join us for more episodes filled with inspiration, real stories, and practical tips to fuel your path to happiness and success. Don't forget to connect with us on social media to share your own stories of thriving and manifesting. Tag us using hashtag happy thrive vibes. We can't wait to hear from you. 
As always, thank you for being part of our thriving community. Until next time, keep radiating those positive vibes and manifesting the life you love. Keep thriving.